Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 830 on Friday, May 13th. I'm Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a new report indicates women and people of color wait longer in emergency rooms when they come in with chest pain. And Eudora Welty's family papers are now available to the public. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Lawyers groups are hosting expungement clinics throughout the state today. Sean Ellerby is with the Magnolia Bar Clinic. Expungement is the legal process by which a person gets either a criminal conviction or an arrest removed from their record. And it can be for either a felony or a misdemeanor. Why is this allowed? Um, Well, the law allows it. And so... You know, there are times, say, for example, a person is arrested and nothing ever happens. You know, the case doesn't go forward or the case gets dismissed. Um, We also have first offender laws um, on our books for certain crimes. And so if a person completes a period of probation, um, they don't actually plead guilty. The court will um, hold adjudicating them guilty until they complete the probation period. And so... This is the process that allows, it really allows a person to have a second chance. You know, if you can prove for the first offender, if you can make it through probation, then you really have a second chance at having a clean record and not, um, not having a conviction. What felonies would apply? It's, they're mostly nonviolent felonies. So crimes of violence do not apply, and those are um, listed in our code section. Um, there is a list, so it's generally there's a first offender um, First offender, excuse me, statute related to drug crimes, uh, misdemeanor DUI is your first offense. Uh, you have the ability to get an expungement, but there is a there's a list of. It's easier to go with what doesn't qualify. So crimes of violence don't qualify. Arson does not qualify. A drug trafficking charge doesn't. Third, fourth, or subsequent DUIs. Um, a felon in possession of a firearm conviction, voyeurism, witness intimidation, abuse, neglect, or uh, exploitation of a vulnerable adult, and embezzlement. And and there are nuances in the law, um, but that's kind of generally the the crimes that do not, uh, are not eligible for expungement. 
You're holding a clinic to help people with this? Yes. So um, what it is, it's the Magnolia Bar Association Restoration Day Statewide Expungement Clinic. And so how it works is there are clinics across the state of Mississippi, um, and they are done in partnership with local attorneys. We've got the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project up in the Delta. Private attorneys volunteer to participate. We've got two district attorney's offices that have joined on as partners to host clinics, as well as um, some judges. So it's the Magnolia Bar Association hosts it, but we really can't do it without volunteers that agree to participate who are, are the members of our association. Say you can't afford it. Is there any fee for this? So the way the clinic works is um, you are essentially getting the legal services for free. So you do not, the attorneys are working on a volunteer basis. Uh, potential clients still would have to pay the filing fee, which is generally about $150. Before you come to the clinic, um, you have to get a copy. You have to get your background check, so there's a fee for that. And then you have to get the documents from the court from which your charges originated. So in the case of a misdemeanor, it would be the abstract from the municipal or city or justice court. In the case of a felony, it would be your indictment, your sentencing order, um, or a dismissal order or a non-profit order um, that you would have to get. So there are fees associated with obtaining those documents, but the value is really truly in the, the legal services that are pro- provided pro bono. So you have attorneys who practice, who are versed in the law. Because we, we do a training um, the day before so that everyone is prepared and armed with the law. We provide the forms so everyone's using the same things. And so it's, it's definitely a savings for a person who, who may not have the funds to hire an attorney to do so or feel like it's something that they could handle on their own. When you give them the paperwork and you guide them through that process, do they have to appear in court before a judge? So that's going to depend on the jurisdiction. Um, some jurisdictions, once you file the paperwork, the, the judge will sign off on it and there's not necessarily a hearing. Um, there is the possibility that there could be a hearing um, related to it. And if, if that's the case, then... There are definitely options available through the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project or the Mississippi Center for Justice um, if someone needed some follow-up assistance for that. And you know how they say nothing ever really goes away. Does this really go away? Do these offenses really go away, or can you find them somewhere? So they, they do go away in a public sense. Now, there are some requirements, for example, where someone has received the benefit of a first offender status where there is a registry that is kept so that we can ensure that someone is not getting multiple first offender treatment. But in the sense that when your criminal record is run, it is gone. You know, when they, if you go to the courthouse and someone types in your name, it is gone. You can then answer that you are not a convicted felon once your record has been expunged. So, yes, you can then go register to vote because your record has been expunged. When is this taking place again? We have one in Bolivar County from 10 to 1. That'll be at the Bolivar County Courthouse. Capaya County, that'll be from 8 to 5. That'll be at the Capaya County Courthouse. Um, We have another one uh, in Hines County that's being coordinated by the Mississippi Volunteer Lawyers Project. That'll be in Jackson at the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. 
There's one in Jackson County. That'll be in Moss Point at the Jackson County Small Business Incubator. And then our final clinic will be in West Point at the Southwest Point Voting Precinct. Okay. Last question. For anyone who hasn't had up-close experience with the justice, the criminal justice system, why would they care about this type of effort? My personal philosophy is that if we can rebuild people and reintegrate them into society, then our communities are safer and our communities are better as a result. So we really should all care. I mean, a person getting their record clean where they can become gainfully employed, they can get a place to live, they can vote and take take part in the democratic process, that makes them a vested member of the community. And so that makes us all better, better for it. Sean Ellerby with the Magnolia Bar Association. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us about this. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Coming up, a new report indicates women and people of color wait longer in emergency rooms when they come there with chest pain. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. My personal philosophy is that if we can rebuild people and reintegrate them into society, then our communities are safer and our communities are better as a result. So we really should all care. I mean, a person getting their record clean where they can become gainfully employed, they can get a place to live, they can vote and take take part in the democratic process, that makes them a vested member of the community. And so that makes us all better, better for it. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Women, and especially women of color, experience longer waits in emergency rooms when they report chest pain. That's according to a new report from the American Heart Association. Dr. Myrna Alexander Nickens is a professor of medicine in the Division of Cardiology at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. She speaks with MPB's Michael Guidry. This was in particular in young women and young men. So they looked at patients between the age of 18 and 55, and they considered those to be young people. And so uh, the risk for having a heart attack is lower in that group, but it's starting to rise. And therefore, we want to look at those people early on and not wait. Are we missing some of the symptoms or are we not? missing some of the symptoms. So studies have been done in the past that show that men uh, get the attention earlier than women. And this just sort of put icing on the cake to show that, yes, women are still um, not being seen as early as men. And you ask me, well, what difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference. So when you're having a heart attack, and we use the phrase time is muscle. So if a blood vessel closes off, you want to get that blood vessel open as soon as possible, but you got to recognize that the um, blood vessel is closed. So how do you do that? Um, the patient present with chest discomfort, and they, when the patients present to the emergency department, we're given standards of what you should do. They should get an EKG as soon as they come to the emergency room with that symptom. So that means that they may have waited a while before they got the EKG, And if you go back and look at the uh, article, even just obtaining an EKG was only in 75% uh, in women, uh, 74% in women, 
and 78.8% in men. But it should be 100%. You know, they all should have gotten an EKG within 10 minutes of arriving to the emergency department. Dr. Uh, Darcy Bonko, who uh, is the lead author of the study, the practices at NYU Grossman School of Medicine. That's in New York City. And in the right. study um, uh, says that they were surprised to find differences in wait time by race because the rate of heart attack among black adults and white adults is, is similar. Uh, and so I want to, you, you're based here in Mississippi. Does that surprise you? Uh, not really. We are have a large population here in Jackson of African Americans. Now, we see a lot of hypertensive heart disease versus myocardial disease. So sometimes uh, you can't tell based upon symptoms what is the real cause of the chest discomfort. You really have to dig deeper to determine if it's because the blood vessel is narrowed or it's because the person is having chest discomfort because the blood pressure is so high and that's causing some problems with heart failure or causing some problems with increase in pressure within the um, heart. So I'm not totally surprised at the information. Based on the intersection uh, of your personal experience mm-hmm. and the information provided in this uh, in this report, which is more national in, in scale, uh, what conclusions uh, can you draw about the the core of this, the ER weights and everything like that in in, in the state of Mississippi. Right. So I am not surprised at the data. Uh, People tend to, um, you know, if they know some, whether you like it or not, um, uh, we're accustomed to what we uh, feel comfortable with. Okay. So if the majority of your physicians are, um, and this may they may not even realize that they're doing this, but if you're if it's easier for you to talk to a white male and you think, oh well, this is unusual for a white male at 35 years old to have a myocardial infarction. Well, oh, but he did. Uh, but it may be just as unusual for the 35 year old black female to have a myocardial infarction. But the um, information given to that physician is that women tend not to have myocardial infarctions. So that may need to be an education issue for the physicians, the providers about the um, underlying problems at hand so that they can recognize the symptoms in men and in women. So no, I'm not surprised. That's one reason we need a more diverse population of providers, providers meaning physicians, as well as nurse practitioners, but particular physicians. We just need a lot more to educate a lot more so that they have some information, the same information. But I think that the conversation would be a little bit different if I'm talking to someone that feels comfortable talking to me because I'm African-American. So that would help that patient. But clearly, recognition of symptoms, whether you're black or white, uh, should be the main stay for recognizing myocardial infarctions. And um, that's, like I said, I'm I'm not surprised. I've been doing this a long time, so it doesn't surprise me. And that just means that we just got to keep 
training and keep teaching and keep diversifying. Dr. Myrna Alexander Nickens is a professor of medicine in the Division of Cardiology at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Still ahead, Eudora Welty's family papers are now available to the public. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier, a Mississippi educator fired for reading a children's book called I Need a Butt to Second Grader says he's going to court to get his job back. Toby Price was initially suspended with pay but later fired. Hines County School District Superintendent Delisha Martin called the book inappropriate because it showed private areas of the body. Price has said he's worried this situation could discourage others from becoming educators. If an administrator can be fired for reading one book and not have any other discipline in his file for that district, and then what about the other teachers? You know, it's going to happen to everybody. Because if I knew that I could be fired just right off the bat, you know, in the classroom, I, I probably wouldn't want to do that job. And I worry that eventually the ones who would want to do it aren't going to want to do it anymore. The Hines County School District upheld Price's firing with a two-to-one vote. Two board members abstained. Mississippi writer Eudora Welty's family papers are now open to the public. Welty requested in her will that the documents remain private for 20 years after her death. Elizabeth Kambanga is a manuscripts archivist at the State Department of Archives and History. You'll find a correspondence between Eudora Welty's parents, Justina Andrews Welty and Christian Webb Welty. They began their courtship in 1903, and the correspondence spans from 1903 until... After their marriage, he died in 1931, so you won't find anything beyond that between them. You'll also find correspondence between Eudora Welty and her mother, Justina. This was around the 40s and 50s when Eudora took many European trips and New York trips. You'll also find correspondence between Eudora and her brothers Edward and Walter, as well as genealogical information, uh, stories that Edward had written, Edward and Walter had written, cartoons, cartoons and drawings that they had created. Um, You'll also find just general family papers, uh, certificates, and applications to various things. So in your mind, how are you feeling about this cachet of family papers being released? I think it's a wonderful opportunity to allow the public to see a different side of Eudora Welty, a more personalized um, relationship that she had with her brothers, the goofier sides that they had, the stories and made-up names and jokes that they would tell. You'll also see the way that she 
was as a teenager in her college years, how her parents responded to their children's grades. and So it'll be a different side of Eudora that other people have not been able to see before. How many brothers did she have? She had two. Do you know how her family felt about her writing? They were very supportive of her writing, especially her mother. She always encouraged her to be creative, while her father encouraged her to be practical. So what would the practical side have been, being a teacher? Because back then, women were pretty limited in the occupations they could have. Well, her father encouraged her to take business classes at Columbia University. Um, So while she was taking those business classes, her mother was encouraging her to write creatively. Oh, so he wanted her to go into business. Yes. Well, he was ahead of his time. Mm Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about his, uh, her parents? Well, her mother began as a school teacher in West Virginia, and I believe her father was working for a lumber mill, um, and they had met, and he was from Ohio. He then moved to Jackson and began working for the Lamar Life Insurance Company, and he stayed there for the rest of his life. Um, So they had moved to Jackson after they had gotten married and set up their life there. And Justina was a member of the Jackson Garden Club. Um, I believe she also worked in the Little Theater, several community and social things. She was a housewife, pretty much. Yes. Is there any limit to how these papers will be made available? No, they're available now. Um, You can come during our opening hours of 9 to 5, 8 to 5. Well, Elizabeth, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us about this and enlightening us on Eudora Welty and her family's papers. Thank you. Thank you very much. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's the Gestalt Gardener. Then at 10, it's Next Stop Mississippi. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us next week at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition only on MPB Think Radio. Enjoy your weekend.